We are so glad you decided to join us today for our Compelled podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We would love for you to message us on social media and connect through our website at compelled316.com. Now let's get started. Bob Morrison is here to get us thinking about what it means to live a compelled life. Hey, how's everybody doing? I hope you're surviving the rat race and it's just another day that you're going to go out there and maybe reflect the light, be a little more like Jesus, a little less like ourselves. So I've been reading this piece in Acts and uh, the guy's name is Saul. Maybe that doesn't ring a bell with you. Maybe you've never cracked a Bible and that's okay. Stay with me. I promise I'm not going to beat you over the head with it, but we're going to figure out how to go through life in a way that when other people meet us, they go, wow. I want what he's got. I want that light that's coming off of him. He obviously is jacked up on something. I'm jacked up on Jesus. So anyway, guy's name is Saul. Saul was kind of like a notorious gang leader to go and hunt down Christians. Now, Christians was anybody who followed Jesus, who loved the Lord, who reflected that type of religion in that time period. And Saul hated it. In fact, it said that he went door to door, drug people out of their houses and took them to prison, uh, that he was just an absolute Christian killer. He was one of those guys that did not want this, quote, religion to spread, to be everywhere. So one day, Saul's going down this road and it says a brilliant light blinds him. I don't know what that was, something from God. And then he hears this voice, but there's nobody around him. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus. Why are you being so hard on my people? And basically, Saul is kind of like caught back by this. I mean, come on, blinded by the light? Wow, that's pretty crazy. And all of a sudden, here's this big voice telling you, "Uh, dude, you need to let up. But instead of just giving him a sight back, the Lord says, hey, you're going to be blind for a little bit. Uh, I need to get your full attention. And the only way I can do that is you're just going to need to be blind. I'm going to just totally disable you. Man, there's nothing worse than being disabled in your day or in your week or month or year. But sometimes it happens. And when we get that moment in our life when we just feel totally disabled, it's kind of strange. It, it, It makes us feel helpless, I guess is the best way to describe it. So these two guys who are also on that road says they take Saul by the hand and they lead him into town. Now you have to think about this. He's going to a town blind and they leave him there. And it says he sits for like two or three days, doesn't eat or drink. Then the Lord tells a guy, Ananias, cool name, by the way. I don't know. Maybe if I ever have a cat, I'll name him Ananias. But Ananias hears from the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to go into this town and find this guy named Saul, and he's going to be stone blind. And he's not going to be too happy about it. But listen, uh, he's been praying for someone to come and restore his vision. So guess what? I pick you. I want you to go into this town. You're going to go in there, and you're going to tell him that the Lord sent you and that you're going to restore his sight. Now, all that in itself is pretty crazy, but if if you put it in modern day times, think about this. Let's say you're just an average dude living in LA and the Lord comes and says, hey, I want you to go down to one of the houses where the Crips or the Bloods live 
uh, yeah, one of their leaders is down there. He's been blind for like three days. And I want you to just walk in and tell him you're there to restore his sight. Dude, no, I would be very scared by that whole concept of how that's going to play out. So Ananias even says, hey, God, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm the right guy to do this. I don't know if I'm the one that should be restoring sight to Saul. And he says, I've heard about this guy. I know what he's up to. I know his reputation. And God's like, hello, I'm asking you to do this. I'm actually telling you to do this and you're going to do it. So Ananias goes in, finds Saul, boom. It happens just like the Lord said it would. And it says that his sight is restored and something like scales fall off of his eyeballs. I think that would be pretty gnarly to see. I don't know about you, but uh, I want to see it. So anyway, Saul's sight is restored. And that in itself is pretty crazy. But then there's this transformation that occurs. Saul realizes who the Almighty God is. It's his come to Jesus moment. There it is again. You know, we throw that around a lot. We tell we tell our friends, oh, my kids and I, we're going to have that come to Jesus moment. Or I hear a wife say, uh, my husband and I, we're going to have a come to Jesus moment about his uh, leaving his dirty clothes laying all through the house. We use that come to Jesus moment a lot. But this was a real one. This was one where Saul has his eyes opened by the Lord, has them closed by the Lord and opened by the Lord, and it gets his full attention. And so he becomes this hardcore Christian. Yeah, go figure. All the time that he could have just been out there doing his thing, wiping out Christians. Now all of a sudden he becomes a Christian and he says, I'm going to tell everyone about the Lord. And in that his name gets changed to Paul. Yeah. And Paul becomes this very prolific writer. He brings us tons and tons of stuff in the New Testament. I mean, if you go back and you look at any of the really exciting pieces of the New Testament and see who wrote them, yeah, it says Paul. He becomes a spokesman for the very person that he was trying to persecute. I know that you and I have struggles. We have real life struggles, bills to pay, cars break down, we lose our job. Maybe we lose a spouse. Maybe our relationships are just messed up. Maybe our kids are behaving like absolute terrorists. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your battle is. But the reality of it is, there's a point where we say, why am I going through this? What is it trying to show me? What is it that I'm being taught that I'm just literally closing my eyes to? And sometimes I just have to just sit back and go, okay, this doesn't make sense. Everything that's going on is totally frustrating or hurting me or crushing my soul or breaking my heart. And I don't know what it's all about, but I got to figure it out because I can't keep going through this. And I have to actually sit there and do a little soul searching, you know? And there's some point in that where the light bulb is going to go on and I'm going to go, oh, okay, this is about me forgiving somebody. This is about me showing grace. This is about me going and helping someone and knowing that they can never repay me. This is about me going and teaching them what Jesus is like. Actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, really, that's why we're here. So many times I ask people, hey, why do you think we're on the earth? Why do you think we're here? And a lot of people just go, oh, uh, so we can be happy, so we can have family, so we can have kids, so we can have a cool house. 
so we can have an awesome car, so we can go do fun things. Mm, this is where the game show buzzer simply goes, eh. it's not there. We're here because we're supposed to worship the Lord. We're here to reflect him to those that don't know him. It's a cool assignment if you think about it. I mean, maybe we haven't even started to do that yet. Maybe we're still in the idea of, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the right guy for that. I don't know if I have what it takes. I definitely don't have the talent or maybe I'm super shy. Maybe I don't know what to say. The reality is he will give you the right words to say at the right time. We just have to be willing to say, okay, let's do this. I hope that when you have your come to Jesus moment, that you allow it to happen, that you don't resist it, that you don't just say, yeah, no, that's not for me. I mean, somewhere along the line, you're going to have a conversation with somebody and you plant a seed. And I was just thinking uh, of my favorite uh, buddy. His name's Kevin. And Kevin, uh, I love you, man. And you and I have some great history together. So I'm going to tell on Kevin a little bit. Uh, He and his wife, Jody have this awesome business down in Evansville, Indiana, and they're Jesus followers. And uh, their business is called Home Envy. If you ever want to get a hold of them, just call 812-568-0700. And when you talk to Kevin or Jody, say, hey, uh, I heard about you through Bob in one of his nutty podcasts. So anyway, Kevin and I were neighbors and we used to sit out on the porch and we would tell stories to each other, uh, probably tell the occasional lie. We laughed a lot. We were goofs and we would go out and run around and we really just were kind of uh, just doing our own thing. And when I became uh, a pastor, I tried to figure out how do I invite Kevin to my church? Because I didn't think, you know, my church was a good fit for him. Um, We listened to some crazy hip hop music. Uh, We danced a lot. We talked about all kinds of crazy things. So all of a sudden here I am, oh, I'm a pastor and I want you to come to my church. And they did, they came to church a couple times, but it wasn't the kind of church that would make you feel quote comfortable. Uh, Or it wasn't the kind of church that you'd say, yeah, I want to go back to that. Um, It was just very quiet and proper most of the time. And there was a point where I just thought, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to reach my friends. I don't know how to tell my friends that, hey, I've had this come to Jesus moment. It was like I was still embarrassed of Jesus, I guess. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're afraid to tell people about him. But somewhere along the line, you know, I tried to have those conversations and Kevin and I would sit on the porch and I'd say, Kev, you ever think about where you go when you die? Hey, Kev, you ever you ever wonder about what Jesus meant when he said this? And it was just little things. At the time, I didn't know, but they call it planting seeds. I know, man, there's some crazy churchy terms out there that I just don't quite grasp. But maybe a seed was planted. Well, then all of a sudden, Kevin and Jody say, hey, we're moving. They're moving away. And, and I'm just lost by that because, uh, you know, they were my buds. They were my neighbors. And I thought, man, I'm never going to see him again. And one New Year's Day, I get this call from Kevin and he says, hey, guess where I'm at? And I so badly wanted to go jail, (laughs) but I didn't. I said, so so where you at, bud? What's going on? And he says, man, you aren't going to believe this. I got baptized. I said, no way. This is awesome. 
And he says, yeah, I got baptized. And there's a part of me that said, oh man, the selfish part of me said, I wanted to be the one. I wanted to be the one who dunked Kevin because I loved him as a buddy. We hung out together. We did so much together. And I thought, oh, this is going to be something that I can look back and go, yeah, that was me. I got to baptize my buddy. But the reality was, that's not what God had planned. God said, hey, I just want you to plant some seeds. So when you go out in your days, you don't know. You talk to people and you don't know where they are in their walk, their, with their uh, whether or not they've figured out who Jesus is yet. Maybe you're just planting seeds and that's okay. I mean, that's kind of hard to grasp. The idea that we're just going to go uh, run up to someone and say, hey, uh, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. Or, hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and uh, crazy things are going to come your way. I don't know what they're going to be or when they're going to be, but God loves you. Uh, Things like that, and people just scratch their head and they walk away and go, yeah, whatever. They think you're a total nut. But we're called to be bold. We're called to be brave. I mean, Jesus said, you won't even look or act like the people around you. I think that's pretty valid for me. I try for the most part to not fit into the crowd. I try to be the guy who stands out. I try to stand out in how uh, light I am in the moment, like how kind I try to be to people or how much grace I show. I don't always do it. I fail terribly sometimes. But the reality is I just keep going, you know. Don't let the rat race consume you and just push you down so much that you lose the reason you're on this earth. You were called to be the light. So anyway, when you're out there today or this week or in your travels, I want you to think about this for a minute. When you cross paths with someone, what if you're crossing paths with them because God put you there at that moment, at that time with that person? Try to be the light. Try to show grace. Try to be someone who they say, ooh, I want what he's got. I want to experience that. So listen, I got to cut out of here, but I want you to keep trying and keep striving. You got this, and together we're going to figure it out. One day you're just going to wake up and go, man, I am absolutely compelled by God, and I'm going to live my life a different way. Hey, this is Bob Morrison. I will see you somewhere out there. We are truly thankful you chose to spend some time with us here at Compelled. If you enjoyed today's message, we encourage you to like it, share it on social media, and check out our website, compelled316.com. God bless you, and we hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you somewhere out there.